Today, we're going to end by looking at Mary and looking at Joseph, looking at their lives and how they responded to Jesus' birth now, and, and to the announcements of, of, his, of his coming. Now, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Joseph and Mary. I want you to think about this young couple. They're engaged. They are planning their lives together. They have an idea of what their marriage is going to be like. They have an idea of where they are going to live. They have an idea about when they want to have their first child. They have ideas about life, just like you and I have ideas of the things, and we try to plan as best as we can for life. I find sometimes that, you know, I remember being in, in school studying uh, a Bible and studying social work, and I remember sitting down, and one of my assignments as a freshman was that I was supposed to write out my plan, my 10-year plan, my 20-year plan, my 30-year plan, my 40-year plan. And I was as naive as to believe that that paper actually mattered. <laughs> I think, looking back, God must have just been like, <laughs> that's funny. I'm sending you to Toledo. It's like, what's that? Toledo, Spain? What? What's Toledo? <laughs> here we are. But here is Joseph and Mary planning their lives, planning their future, thinking about their family and what it would look like, and then the great announcement. One of the greatest revelations ever given to men appeared to them, and it radically changed everything. We're going to read the story of how God revealed himself to, uh, to Mary and to Joseph. We'll begin with Mary because the revelation came first to Mary and then to Joseph. So it begins in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 on down. It reads this way. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to be, or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I don't know about you, but I find this kind of tr troubling. Iman imagine a majestic being we can't even describe standing before you in an instant. And declaring this word, it will be kind of troubling. It makes sense. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? That's a legit question. <laughs> and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. Your son, Mary, will also be the son of God. Anybody think you would be overwhelmed at that reality? And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Interesting, the word there, servant, is bondservant. 
And in uh, the history of Israel, a bondservant is one who chooses to be a servant of someone. Not someone who is a servant by obligation, but someone who pierces their ear as a symbol that I am a love servant. I'm a bond servant. I love my master, and I love to serve my master. And this is how Mary responds, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, this is the way God reveals himself to Joseph. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Reveal it to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, culturally speaking, we find something very different in Israel than what we see today. An engagement was something that was very serious back in those days. For someone to be engaged, it's as if they're already married. The person, the groom, has already paid a major price of the bride and done everything to secure the reality of their marriage. And both of them have made serious commitments to the relationship to the point that a separation was considered like adultery, was considered divorce, as the scripture tells us there. And in the midst of that reality, not only is Joseph considering this, which will leave Mary to bear the shame of that reality, but also she is pregnant by the Holy Spirit with the Son of God, which will leave her to carry a double shame. Yet Joseph loves her, and he decides to do this very uh, secretly in order to not bring more shame on her life. And God, again, reveals himself in such a powerful way to Joseph. And God reveals himself in such a powerful way to Mary. And how do they respond? What an incredible response by Joseph and Mary. Their response is very simple. It's the response of simple obedience. Simple obedience to the will of God. You know, somebody told me this about simple. Simple doesn't mean easy. As my walk with the Lord, I realized that when I read the scripture, a lot of the truths of God are very simple truth, meaning that they are clear truth, truth that I can understand, truth that I know how they are to be applied. But just because I know how they are to be applied and just because I know that they're simple doesn't mean that they're easy. Carrying the cross is not easy. Sacrificing self is not easy. Loving unconditionally is not easy. Loving the unlovable right? That's not easy. 
but they simply obey even though God gives them a revelation of something that seems simple to understand, but something that seems completely unimaginable. How is it possible that the Holy Spirit will come over me and I will bear a child? What is this going to look like? They just simply obeyed. You know, simple obedience can also be called reckless obedience. Simple obedience can also be called reckless obedience. Because when we simply obey God, it can wreck all of our plans, change all of our dreams, and it will definitely change our identity. And I don't know about you, but I, I want to live for a purpose worth dying for. I am not here simply out of religious duty. I am not here simply because I love the gathering, coming to church on Sunday and having a good time in Jesus and experiencing the presence of God. I am here because I've decided to follow Jesus. And I want that to be the reality of my life, whether I'm standing up here and preaching or whether I'm choosing not to turn on pornography at home because I'm honoring my Lord and Savior. Can I get an amen? I want that to be the reality of my life, whether I'm up here praying at the altars or whether I'm praying before the Lord in the secret place. I want that to be the reality of my life, whether I'm speaking to you in love or whether I'm speaking outside of the church. I've made a commitment to follow Jesus. And I realize that if I do that, it's going to radically change my identity. It's going to radically change my plans. And it's going to call me from, oh, Orlando, Florida, to, oh, Toledo, Ohio. Is the truth of the call of God. And if we're going to be that radical to say to the Lord, I'm not a religious folk. I don't even know how to be religious. I just want to follow you, Jesus. If we're going to be as radical as declare that to Jesus, there's several things that we need to know about this life. Mary and Joseph gives, gives, give us an example of what it looks like to simply obey God. There's this one truth that we need to know. It is okay to come to God when we are concerned, when we are troubled, when we do not understand what he is doing. Notice, Gabriel said to God, you're the favored one of God. She didn't understand. He had to reassure her. And then he said, you're going to bear a child, and he will be called Jesus, and he will save the people. And he, she said, so how is that going to happen? Because, like, I don't, I don't see how that's going to happen. One of the most incredible revelations in all of human, humanity, in all of human history, one of the most incredible revelations in all of eternity, and Mary didn't say, yes, sir, of course. No, she said, I don't understand how this is going to take place. One of the greatest misconceptions that we can make about our relationship with God is to think that we cannot go before God with our doubts and our fear. One of the greatest misconceptions that we can make about our Christian walk with the Lord is that to think that we cannot come to God when we're angry, even when we're angry at him. To think that we cannot come to him with our anxiety. To think that we cannot come with him with our trouble. To think that we cannot come with him and we don't understand why he's taking us through path that we would have chosen differently. If you walk with Jesus long enough, you know that there are times in your life where you could have easily said to the Lord, you know, Lord, 
I know this is your plan, but like my plan seems so much better. I know your ways are better, but I'm like not seeing it right now. It's the reality. And we need to be able to come to God. We need to come to grips with this reality that God doesn't only want us to come to him when we suffer. God doesn't only want us to come to him when we're angry. God doesn't only want us to come to him when we're struggling with his will. He also desires it. He is pleased with it. He longs for it. And in the Bible, we see a witness of this over and over again. David said in Psalm 13, How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long would you let me have these thoughts in my mind that trouble me and sorrow in my heart? Look on me and answer, lest I sleep the sleep of death of my enemy overcomes me. What will become of me? It says, but, I'll, but I trust in your unfailing love, for you have been good to me. Hannah, after being tormented year after year for being barren, she laid before the altar of God and wept in deep agony, and she said to herself, I will not leave you until you answer me. Jacob wrestled with God. He wrestled with God. And he determined in his mind, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Jesus, the Son of God, who only did what the Father in heaven told him to do, went to Mount Gethsemane, bowed down, and his distress was so deep that blood came to his pores. And he said, Papa, if there's another way, if somehow, some way, I don't have to become the sin of the world, if somehow, some way, I don't have to pick up this cup, would you please show me that way? But let your will be done, not mine. I want you to just meditate for a moment. If Jesus went to the Father with his concerns about the Father's will, and that was a precious moment, that God then strengthened his son with angels, how much more does God want to strengthen you in the midst of your suffering? How much more does God want to take care of your tears and strengthen you for the journey? It's okay to come to God with your reservations to his will. Secondly, as God reveals his will to your life and you begin to walk this radical walk of following Jesus, no matter what may come, here's something that you and I need to understand. It is not our responsibility to give our revelation to others. Do not worry about others. God will take care of others and show them exactly what they need to do. Here is Mary. How did Joseph find out that Mary was pregnant? We don't know. Maybe Mary texted, Joseph, we need to talk. <laughs> Maybe they were on the phone. Hey, can you sit down? We have to talk about something. I'm at Elizabeth. I'll be here for six months. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe she was in the middle of her first trimester, and she was going through all the things that happened in the first trimester, and Joseph is saying, what's going on here? Whatever happened, the conversation happened. Mary didn't make any excuse. She just said, this is what the Lord revealed to me. Whatever that was, 
And Joseph had to deal with that reality. His love must have been great, right? Says, I don't want to put her to shame. I don't want to embarrass her. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave. And Mary says, you know what? I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to say what the Lord told me to say. I'm going to live the life God called me to live. God's going to have to deal with Joseph. And guess what? God dealt with Joseph. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible. I want you to know this. As you follow Jesus, God can take care of people. Sometimes God is going to call you to speak into their lives and to share the good news with them, but their response is not your responsibility. You got to allow people to have their relationship with God and their struggle with God and their pain with God and their prayers with God and allow God to reveal himself to them. Some people say to me, how can you prove that God, the God you serve is the God that, that, that's real? How do you know that? It's like, look, I'm not here to prove anything. Like, Jesus is big. And if he is the God that I say he is, he doesn't need my help. He's God. If you want to know him, why don't you pray to him? Ask him to reveal himself. He doesn't need my help. Church, God doesn't need your help. He calls for your witness. He calls you to love. He calls you to walk the walk, but he doesn't need your help. Joseph received revelation through dreams, incredible dreams. And over and over again, God gave him dreams, terrible dreams. You know, I used to read a scripture found in Joel chapter 2 that said, the old men will see dreams and the young men will have vision. And I always thought, ooh, to get dreams from God, so awesome. I can't wait to get dreams from God. Can you imagine being Joseph and receiving the dreams God gave Joseph? Hey, Joseph, you should leave because they're like uh, looking to kill you, to kill your son. Hey, Joseph, you need to leave here and go to Egypt. Hey, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She's, she is pregnant with my son. Can you imagine the thought Joseph's thought about, about this stuff? So how do I discipline Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'd be like deeply concerned about losing my cool with Jesus. I do not want to discipline your son in wrath. Lord, help me. Can you imagine? I mean, how long did they gaze at Jesus in awe and wonder? And every day was like, what next? Let me tell you something. <laughs> If you make a decision to follow Jesus, every day there's going to be a new adventure. Every day there's going to be a what next. It is the most incredible, most radical, and sometimes reckless journey that you'll take, but it is the most rewarding, joyous celebration that you can have. So good. He is so good. Following Jesus means just follow He'll take care of revealing himself to others, just like he revealed himself to Joseph. And what is this following Jesus about? What is it that God requires? What does simple obedience look like? It looks like this. Simply saying yes. A willful submission to the plan of God. You know, we, use, we think of submission as a negative word nowadays. You know, when I think of submission, I think of my nephew Titus. I hold his arm up where he feels some pain, and I say, say uncle, right? <laughs> That's say uncle. When we think of submission, sometimes we see submission in a negative relationship and in a marriage that's not walking in the biblical way, and we see oppression over one or the other. 
but we need to redeem submission. Think about submission for what God intended it to be. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit perfectly submitted to Jesus. Jesus perfectly submitted to the Father. And his church, you and I, perfectly submitted to his will. That's the kingdom walk. I want you to think about Joseph and Mary. In order to say yes to God's will, they had to say no to something. In order to say yes to God's plan, they had to say no to their plan. In order to say yes to God's dream, they had to say no to their own. And thus is the Christian walk. Would you stand with me today? I love to read stories of modern heroes. Heroes who have changed the landscape of their families and their lives. Heroes who have given up everything to follow Jesus. I've been talking a lot about Dietrich Bonhoeffer lately, who was willing as a German man during Hitler's time to stand against Hitler's oppression for the sake of the true gospel of Jesus Christ and how he died two weeks before Hitler was defeated. I think of Nabil Qureshi, who writes a book called Seeking Allah and Finding Jesus. And now he was willing to follow Jesus, even though it would cost great, great brokenness to his beloved family. I think of stories of saints who have radically done powerful things for Jesus, and I realize there's something that's common in each and every one of their story, and that's this. In order to accomplish great things, they have to give up their great plans. And that is the call to follow Jesus. What's the call to follow Jesus? In order to live, you have to die. In order for your dreams, for for you to receive God dreams, you got to be awake from the slumber of this world and give yourself to something greater. Will you say yes to follow Jesus? Let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you for Joseph and Mary and their witness to us, God, how they responded in simple obedience. And today, I want to respond in simple obedience today. I want my life to be lived in radical, simple obedience. We're not here to play church, we're not here for traditions, we're here for Jesus. And only Jesus. And Father, we want that walk to be very real, very present, very alive and well. If you're here today, right at your seats, right where you're at, you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I sense the Lord calling me to simple obedience simple obedience. I realize that today the Lord is calling me to follow him and I want to make a decision right now to follow Jesus in simple obedience. Would you raise your hand right where you're at? Amen. Amen. 
Lord, in the name of Jesus, whether we've been in church all our lives or whether we're here for the first time today, we're raising our hands and we're saying, God, we choose simple obedience. Reveal your will to us. Father God, show us the truth in your word that we may walk in simple obedience. Well, Father God, we want to embark on this journey where your dream is what matters. Your will is what matters. Your desires are the desires that matter. We pray, do it in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today and you just don't have a relationship with the Lord. You, you've not begun this journey of seeking Jesus. You don't even know how to seek Jesus yet. I want you to know all you have to do is just when you get alone by yourself, just talk to him and ask the Lord to reveal himself to you. He'll reveal himself because he loves you. And he's got a plan for your life. And I am convinced without a shadow of a doubt that today, if you say, Lord, I want you to reveal yourself to me, whether it be through your word or through a friend, reveal yourself to me. I want to hear from you. I'm convinced that he will do so. That's you today, and you're saying, I want the Lord to reveal himself to me. I want to start a relationship with Jesus. If he is who he says he is, would you raise your hand right where you're at? Let's pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Do it, Lord God. Do it, Lord God. So many here need you. So we pray and we come in agreement. Where two or three are gathered in your name, there you will be. Father, I pray that you would open up the eyes of your people, that they would see who you are, that you would see how, they would see how much you love them, and that they would, Father God, trade the slumber of this world for the greatness of the dream that you dream over them. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.